Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goals. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. Hello, 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 Maximal Beans. It is I, Jackie P, your favorite layman. Hopefully, I'm moving up the list. And I'm here with, of course, my co-hostess with the Moses, Doc Mock. How are you today, Doc Mock? I am good. I mean, the bile ducts here in Cleveland are just going crazy. We got to knock them back into shape. Oh, boy. Uh, so you, I'm sure you have a uh, a full schedule ahead of you before you pack it up and head down to the Sunshine State. But yeah. with us, we have Emily Givler. Uh, she's a uh, award-winning researcher, international speaker, and co-founder of Beyond Protocols. And I'm excited to have you, Emily. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. Thank you. I'm Thank happy you. to... Uh, have you and uh, hear what you got on your mind. I'm Jackie P. I'm your layman. I'm make sure that these two experts keep things on a normal level. No jargon. No, as I heard once today, nerd noise, air quoting, right? Want to make sure everyone understands what's being talked about. And Doc Mock. Well, I'm your nerd noise expert over here. So no <laughs> promises, Jackie P. But I'm, I'm Doc Mock. I'm a therapeutic endoscopist, which is a gastroenterologist that deals with cancer. Maybe we're already getting jargony and also a <laughs> functional medicine practitioner. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We love to hear from you. Back to you, Jackie P. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com slash courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528 and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. Now, let's talk about, I mean, I know Doc Mock is excited because this is like, this is his jam. This is his, 
if this is the cookie to the cookie monster. Okay. So Emily, you're here. So first I think to help everyone know, you know, your background, where you come from, let's, let's have a little bit of an origin story, right? You know, your background, how you got into, you know, functional and genetic nutrition and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my story starts like so many other people in this field with my own mysterious health challenges. So I started having chronic pain and chronic fatigue when I was 14. So not the most pleasant through my teen years. And I went through about five years being shuffled from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist and not getting any answers, um, different types of physical therapy and just everything made me worse rather than better. So at 19, I ended up with a pretty good rheumatologist who diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. But in that same conversation where she gave me a label, which I really needed at that point, uh, she also told me that I should plan on being disabled by the time I was 30 because of how young I was when it started and how quickly it seemed to be progressing. So her good news was that wouldn't shorten my lifespan or cause disfigurement, but the bad news was it was going to cause progressively worsening pain for the rest of that non-shortened, non-disfigured lifetime. And being disabled by 30 seems like a really bad plan to me. So that kind of shifted my focus into trying to go from getting a label to figuring out the underlying reason why I felt this way. Because fibromyalgia especially 20 years ago when this was happening was just, it felt like such a blanket, like, oh, it's medical shorthand for you're tired and you hurt all the time. <laughs> um, but nobody could tell me why. And so I felt like I didn't have anything I could do about it. And functional nutrition and functional genetics especially really has allowed me to figure out why I felt the way I did, what I could do about it. Um, what works for my body individually. So I turned 40 about six weeks ago and I am not at all disabled. And I have about a thousand times more energy than I had as a teenager. I have almost no pain, especially compared to how I was in my 20s. And functional nutrition and genetics has really been major drivers in getting me here. So it's, you know, that's, that's my origin story. Well, first off, I'd like to congratulate you for hitting 40 and not, you know, going down the path that doctor told you're going to be. And you said, you know what? No, right. I'm going to take control of where I'm going to end up. So one, be happy belated to you. Well, thank you. Happy and uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So let's let's break down what it means on a layman's term. Now, what does it mean? What is the difference between functional nutrition and functional, right? Like, cause you know, Doc Mock says it all the time, right? And you know, some folks might be thinking, you know, like how is that different from like the traditional, right? Path that that's out there. So the traditional path, which we could sometimes think of maybe as medicine 1.0 is very focused on acute care. And there is a hundred percent a time and a place for that model, but it doesn't necessarily translate fully or serve with chronically ill populations um, who are dealing with sometimes very different mechanisms than we see in that acute care model. And so when we're looking at things like functional medicine and functional nutrition, it's typically 
kind of that long view approach. And in the case of things like chronic illness, autoimmune diseases, things like fibromyalgia, we're trying to figure out kind of upstream mechanisms and drivers and almost step not entirely away from diagnosis. As a nutritionist, I do not diagnose or treat, but thinking about, you know, what is going to help improve the quality of life for the people in front of us and take more of kind of a systems-based approach to health and wellness, thinking about how all of these wonderful, beautiful, complex things about our bodies interact with one another and how we can really maximize that for radiant health and well-being. That, that's so well put. I mean, and, and I think that you hit the nail on the head with the fact that functional medicine looks at the person as a whole, right? The fact and the thought that our life stressors or the things that we can do to improve those stressors can impact our biological systems or even our genes is probably beyond a lot of the people that I work with. And, and it is truth and there is science to back those things. So back to you, Jackie P. Good addition, Doc Mock. I know, I know, I saw you over there. I saw in your eyes, you're just bubbling the add-on. So, <laughs> so Emily, so let's say I'm, you know, I'm someone I, you know, I had a, you know, I had a uh, diagnosis of something, right? And how, how would I interact with you during my care? You know, where do you work in tandem, right? With, you know, a care team out of a hospital or a doctor's office, um, you know, walk us through what that looks like. So I'm a nutrition consultant. So I step in in a number of different roles, but where I never am is as the primary. I don't do anything diagnostic. I don't do anything treatment-based. I'm kind of a health detective because my big focus is on the functional genetic end of things. So most of the people who work with me have, like myself in my own history, kind of run the gamut. And they've explored a lot of different avenues to try to rebuild their health. Often they've been even doing a lot of functional medicine work and the approaches that are working for other people are not necessarily working for them. And so often they turn to genetics to try to figure out what's a little bit atypical in their biochemistry. Why are we not seeing the same anticipated results that everyone else is getting? And a lot of times it can really help shine a light on kind of those shadowy areas in our health. So I often am working in conjunction with a treatment team that individuals are coming to me with. So I'm not affiliated with any particular hospital uh, system or, or medical practice, um, but I work with practitioners across the country and internationally to help kind of find those missing pieces, find those really biochemical individuality uh, spots that are often very influential in these complex chronic cases, people who are dealing with things like Lyme disease or autoimmunity or mold toxicity. Those are some, or mast cell activation syndrome. Some of these highly sensitive people who are, are really in some cases treatment resistant. Interesting. And, and what, what does that process look like? You know, do you do the takeaway method where you take away all the food you're eating, right? Is there testing done, right? Like, how do you, you know, cause you said nutritional detective, right? So I'm imagining you with a, you know, you got the eyeglass and you're looking in, you know, so like, what does that look like? Well, there's a lot of saliva involved. So, <laughs> um, 
So there's a couple of different pieces that I like to put in place with my clients. And the first is the genetic testing. And so this, this is where the saliva is going to come in. So genetic testing, at least the SNP testing that I do, which is different than whole genome testing. That's a whole other beast. So with single nucleotide polymorphism testing or SNP testing, um, you spit into a tube, you send your saliva off to a lab and um, it's analyzed in the lab. I recommend the uh, Your Genomic Resource test, some of the direct-to-consumer testing. Um, your data is not necessarily secure. It's you're the product and your genetics are being farmed out to like the pharmaceutical industry, things like that. If you're okay with that, that's up to you. But your genomic resource is private and it integrates with the software system that I use, which is the functional genomic analysis uh, system. So um, you spit in a tube, you send it off in the mail, it goes off to Brooks Lab at Rutgers University and gets uploaded into the software. So we're looking actively at about 12,000 different data points here. So there's a lot of information that we're throwing up against the wall that's a lot of data and it's not all going to be immediately relevant because not every one of those genes is important to your health concerns. Not all of them are expressing. So we have to run some other functional tests to see what's actually expressing and what's driving the, the underlying dysfunction. So that can be things like urine organic acid tests, functional blood chemistry, maybe uh, some hormone testing, maybe some other toxin testing, depending on kind of what the individual's needs, concerns, and exposures are looking like. But we need those other pieces to go along with the predictive genetic information. There's only so much that genes alone can tell you. And that's where a lot of people go wrong or have misperceptions about what genetics is and isn't. It's that predictive information but we need those other pieces along with it. So when people are working with me, we're starting kind of with both of those pieces in tandem, the genetics piece, and then the functional labs to correlate with it. And again, you're just kind of embodying what it is to be a functional medicine practitioner, right? You're looking at the person as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to state yet another amazing thing that comes out of Rutgers University, are you rah-rah? Um, that's that's <laughs> what I <went> to <laughs> I've tried a number of these products as well, and I totally agree with you, you know, having tried some of the more commercially available ones, the product that you get back, although it's neat to know that you're more percentage Neanderthal than most of the population, which I am, um, I get hangrier, easy and have poor directional ability. That's why I do GI because you just go in and you come out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's kind of a Mickey Mouse version of your genetics, right? You don't really get the full story. And, and plugging your raw data files into a different software, which can analyze them, like I like Gene Genie, and then putting it behind a big brain like yourself, Ms. Giffler, that, that's where the meat and potatoes is. That's where you find out, you know, are, do your genes mean something? Are they actually expressed in some manner? Are they making biochemical products that are useful? Back to you, Jackie P. Oh, back to you, Ms. Givler. Well, I, I just want to add that anytime we're looking at these reports, we have to be really careful, especially if we're running them through programs like Genetic Genie and it's spitting out this report without that corresponding 
functional lab piece, there are too many people who are making really significant health decisions based on predictive information. So always try to be discerning if you are kind of doing a plug and play type of, of genetic uh, report because it is predictive and we've got to keep in mind things like stresses and traumas and environmental exposures as well. So our genes only tell a, a part of the story. It's an important part, but it's definitely not the whole story. Yeah, it's, it's not the end all be all, but you know, the caveat to that is there are some conditions where the genes dictate the story like PKU, right? A baby born with PKU just cannot break down phenylalanine, which Jackie P being more layman is a yes. type of amino acid. So, you know, give that baby a protein shake and they may not, you know, they actually can die. They, they're unable to break those things down. So there are some genes that are the end all be all, but for most of us, you know, it's, uh, not just a stoplight or a green signal. It's more like a yield most of the time. Back to you, Jackie P. Thanks, Doc Mock. And also, I respect you self-pulling your layman flag there. <laughs> You're learning. Um, I can be taught. Yes, <laughs> he can learn. He did go to Rutgers after all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black ops shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, Delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBean.com Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. So Emily, you know, you, I'd, I'd like to talk about a little bit about, you know, because there's you have a lot of things going on right and you you did say health 1.0 and i know you have you know there there's something you push called health 2.0 which i i like that because immediately for me i like you know gadgets and stuff so anything that's like 2.0 like okay this is better well-rounded better research is going to form and function better so you know i know you have a lot more going on besides just that so let's talk about you know, health 2.0, right? Uh, I remember reading something about uh, mold and wildfire, smoke toxicity. Like there's just so much, you know, in your story. And I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. So healthcare 2.0 is really all about moving into this functional model and looking at the whole person and finding ways that we support the individual in front of us. And so much of that ties into this whole bio-individualized medicine kind of model that is really starting to grow. And speaking of wildfires, it is really taking off, especially in the past two years. I feel like this pandemic has made people realize that they need to take ownership for their own health. And um, so I know in my practice, we are busier than ever. Um, so one of my projects is Beyond Protocols. And Beyond Protocols is a 
practitioner mentoring platform to help people ranging from health coaches to nutritionists to pharmacists to medical doctors and naturopaths figure out how to integrate all of these different pieces into their their existing practices. Um, because I know what a difference it can make both in terms of you know building up a practice, but more importantly, in helping the people that we are working with in really meaningful ways. Because we live in a toxic soup of a planet. You know, our body has these fantastic detox organs that, and yes, I fully agree that our body is constantly detoxing, which we hear from the medical community all the time, but we are dealing with tens of thousands of human-made chemicals in volumes that we have never had to contend with before. And it's really placing a significant burden on our bodies and having really wide-ranging uh, effects, including negative effects on the immune system. Um, doctors Lynn Patrick and Anne-Marie Fine have a really interesting piece in the Townsend letter on toxicity and its impacts on the immune system. So for any of your uh, listeners who are into that nerd noise, <laughs> I highly <laughs> recommend it. Word um, of the day. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's so if we can identify where these toxins are coming from, whether they are emotional stressors, whether they are traumas or environmental toxins, things like wildfire smoke or things like mold toxicity, which is a really rampant problem, especially in certain regions of the country that are more vulnerable to things like flooding from hurricanes, um, the, there's really significant problems and there's not enough practitioners out there who are really equipped to deal with them. And we want to change that. <laughs> we want to help support each other and build up a community of practitioners in a wide variety of disciplines who know how to work together and help people regain their health. Um, and I'm a big nerd, so research is a big part of that. So I have been very fortunate in the past couple of years to do a deep dive research review with uh, two really fantastic colleagues, Drs. Neil Nathan and Beth O'Hara. Um, so what we did was a, a dive into the published research on uh, mycotoxin detoxification in humans, which is a limited amount of research. Veterinary medicine, robust amount of research, but we haven't looked that much in people. So we combed through every study we could find and we were able to really map out the different routes that mycotoxins from mold leave the body. And we found some really gap, like glaring gaps in what we as a practitioner community have been doing to support people who uh, are mold sick. So um, recently, I'm gonna give a self plug. <laughs> I put together a precision mycotoxin detox system, um, both a guide and a course to help primarily practitioners. It's probably too much nerd noise for the, the lay person, but for <laughs> practitioners who, especially if you're working with mold sick people to help facilitate more effective detox protocols. So lots of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you have yourself a full plate and then some. So, I mean, I deduced, but just in case there's some folks I may have missed it, I'm gonna have to pull my layman card. You said mycotoxin a lot. Right. And then you also, which I forgot the term, the type of research that you said that we were lacking. What type of research in that? Uh, what was that 
research and what was it, if you don't mind me pulling the card on you? No, please do. So mycotoxins are produced by mold spores. So they're the non-living toxic metabolic byproduct that mold makes. So if you're in a room with mold or if you have colonized mold growing in your body, it's making mycotoxins. And mycotoxins are immunosuppressive, they're genotoxic, some of them are nephrotoxic, some of them are hepatotoxic. They're generally not good news in the body. And they can lead to things like increased food sensitivities, increased chemical sensitivities, widespread aches and pains, headaches. The mycotoxin and mold exposure often look symptomatically a lot like Lyme disease, which can look like things like chronic fatigue or arthritic type of presentations as well. So that's what the mycotoxins are, but that's still an umbrella term. There's lots of different individual types, and that's what we looked at in our research review. And so with a research review, we were looking at the published peer-reviewed studies that have already been done. And we were focusing our research on studies that were done on human subjects rather than studies that were done in veterinary medicine on animal subjects. Because one of the first things that we noticed when we started reading all of the literature, including the veterinary studies, is not every species clears these toxins out through the same pathways. So we did keep it focused on um, how these mechanisms work in humans, since that's the population that we are working with. (laughs) That would make sense. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.